Holy Father, in this 10th chapter of Daniel, we have uh, events happening in the life of your people that were going to be very scary and very intimidating. And you comfort the prophet and your people by sending your word. Do that for us too. Uh, we need you now as well as ever. And we simply ask this humbly in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. I know that there are going to be people who are listening or watching this online, and there might be some in the room with us right now, who are going to be wondering about one major question in this chapter, and that is, who is this man talking to Daniel? Um, is this an angel? Is this an archangel? Is this the second person of the Trinity, the one we sometimes refer to as the pre-incarnate Christ? I'm going to talk about that, but not while we're reviewing the chapter. I want to talk about it after we've read the chapter and as we're reading the chapter so that we glean from the chapter. I just want to say that I'm going to call him the angel. And that's just how we're going to handle this, okay? Because um, I, what I don't want is for every verse like us to wonder, oh, that, could, that, that, that sounds like Jesus too. And so let's just table all of that for now. We'll come back to it in a little chart uh, I have at the end. But we'll, let's just read the chapter as the chapter, assuming it's an angel. Fair enough? I'm also going to ask you to remember a couple of numbers and other details along the way. It, I'll help you. Okay, it's not like it's a test or something or a test of you know, anybody's character except my own. Um, so, Daniel 10, the Daniel's vision of a messenger. Does that look right? In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was Belteshazzar. Now the message was true. It was about a great war. He understood the message and understanding came to him through the vision. Do you remember which translation we're using? By the way, the EHV, yeah, we're not using the, the, the NIV, we're probably maybe more uh, familiar with, but the Evangelical Heritage Version. And there are going to be a couple things where I'm going to probably say both, so we just keep on track with where things are going here. But here, um, uh, Daniel mentions what year it is. The third year of Cyrus is 537 B.C. And about 30, I don't know, 30-some years before this, Ezekiel had had a vision of the temple, which is the last seven or eight chapters of Ezekiel. It was 570-something B.C., so about 30 or 35 years before. And I want to mention that because a lot of things Ezekiel says um, about the messenger who gave him that are going to be reflected here in what we're going to see. So very similar language at a similar time, or roughly the, court, you know, the same generation. These guys were contemporaries. Um, and Daniel refers to himself as Belteshazzar. Who named him Belteshazzar? Not his mother. Nebuchadnezzar. So we're no longer in the Babylonian period. We're in the Persian period that came after that. But Daniel says, remember my name is Belteshazzar. He's remembering, I wonder if fondly, I knew Nebuchadnezzar the Great. 
And after all this time, nothing can take away my friendship with the great king and the name he gave me. And I knew his sons and the mess, but, you know, that's, and it's all gone now. In fact, from Daniel's perspective, now we've moved from the golden head to the silver torso kingdom. Um, but Daniel's remembering that his name, and Belteshazzar means something like, uh, um, I have it written down because I've forgotten. Uh, uh, oh yeah, Bel or God protect his life. So that's, uh, that's his name. Um, and also it, it smacks of the unity of the book. The same author wrote all of the book of Daniel. Daniel's remembering his name and mentioning his name and so forth. So, um, uh, uh, so okay, let's just go to verse 2. Oh, no, 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 before we get to the verse 2. The great, it was about a great war. And so I'm tempted to say, wars not make one great. But uh, uh, that's my best Yoda. Um, maybe, maybe my best Yoda ever. Uh, but... Uh, Uh, Sorry, Empire Strikes Back was on last Sunday. Um, But uh, uh, what great war could this have been? Well, some of you, four of us, I think, are old enough to remember Green Acres, right? You remember Green Acres? Okay, all right. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Douglas had a weird farm in this old 60s TV show about a guy who leaves New York City to go to the country and have a farm. And uh, one of the weird things was their bedroom door. Um, Their bedroom was open to the outside world with a sliding door, the kind of sliding door you'd find maybe on a barn or a shed. And the other thing is that it didn't have a stopper, so when you'd open it, it would fall over. And there would just be a hole in the wall to the outside world. And that happens here in this chapter of Daniel. So the angel throws back that weird sliding door and we see things you're not supposed to see about the unseen world of angels and demons and the spiritual warfare that goes on and who they're fighting against and what the demons are, uh, uh, where they are. Are they chaotic or do they have assignments? Is there strategy? in the unseen world? And do God's angels just go willy-nilly zipping around, playing harps and shooting arrows at people? No, that's Cupid. But, uh, or do they have assignments and that they're given to go and fight here and fight there and, and in, in formation and, and, and it's unseen stuff. And it's stuff that in our chapter is going to make Daniel sick. And seriously, so sick, he goes, falls back to poetry. Uh, and, and it's the kind of stuff where if, if God was going to say, shall I tear open the sky and show you the unseen warfare going on all about you and your sinfulness? And most of us would say, I don't want to even know, Lord. Please don't show me that. Um, and yet it does go on. And just for a moment, this happens. So... Back to our phrase, it was about a great war in the fourth line in the projection there. Is it that great war or is it another great war? And I'm going to propose that maybe Daniel is talking about the great war that the angel, who hasn't shown up yet, actually came to talk about, which is the next chapter, chapter 11. And it's about the conquests of Alexander the Great. 
That's kind of what we're really talking about here. Although we have this glimpse, I think that the great war here is this huge conquest by Alexander in a lifetime. In fact, 15 years, where he conquers everything basically from what? I don't know, Spain to China or whatever it was. It's just everything uh, fell to this Alexander. And Daniel understood the message. Understanding came to him through the vision. And let's go on. Unless there's a question. Okay. Two and three. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three whole weeks. Little math. How many days is three whole weeks? 21 days. Is he right? 21 days. 21 days. Very good. Can you remember that number in your head? Because Daniel says three weeks. Later on, we're going to hear the number again. And I kind of wonder why people don't put that together. I, usually for a class like this, I study ahead for between four and six hours. This week it was 16 hours on this chapter. And I'm not even sure I'm doing it justice for you, but it was a lot of study to figure out this chapter um, and to work at it because there's a lot of, huh? in this chapter as you're coming at it. And I've tried to grasp it well. But I think one thing that I disagree with most of the commentaries about is the significance of this three weeks. Because I think it's the 21 days the angel's going to mention a little bit later on. Because here's what we saw before in the book, right? Daniel prays. And before he's done praying, an angel shows up with the answer to the prayer. We've seen that happen. And that seems to be what's happening here in this chapter. Daniel is mourning and praying about stuff that's going on. I'm going to talk in a second about what that might be. But the angel was dispatched right away. And now in this chapter, the angel shows up panting three weeks later and says, sorry, I'm late. That's what's going on here. That's, that's the chapter. Um, I, you know, I, I, I got, I'm really sorry I got delayed. And so, um, and what is Daniel sad about? Okay, it's 537. Three years before, by Daniel's counting, Cyrus the Great sent home the captives from Babylon. The 70 years is over. He sent back the first wave of captives. They got back to Judea, and word now, a couple years later, has come back to Daniel. You know, they haven't really done anything. And Daniel maybe is sad about that. But I want to tell you about uh, the experience my father had with Hurricane uh, uh, 2005, uh, the big one, uh, uh, Katrina. Katrina. So uh, I remember Katrina very vividly because it's the year that my son Eric was born and my wife decided that we should paint the ceilings, but we had popcorn ceilings. And so I scraped all the popcorning off the ceilings. It was the first time I wore a mask regularly for a long period of time. And uh, it took me days and days of planks on buckets, scraping that during Katrina. So I have the vivid, vivid memory of this. And of the horrible news of Katrina, hour after hour in between the rock and roll songs of what was going on uh, down there. Now, my dad's church sent teams down to Louisiana, and dad actually worked in Louisiana um, 
on, uh, on a neighborhood, and their church made what my dad later referred to as a mistake. Now, my dad is a house painter, okay? But his church did this. They went down to see what was going on with Katrina. Dad's congregation went to the same neighborhood four years in a row. And dad said that was a big mistake. Because they went down there to the neighborhood right after Katrina. It was, it was, uh, Katrina happened in the, was it, was it July, August, something like that. And they went that fall already to help with the cleanup. And dad said that they took, their, their biggest commodity was garbage bags. And they filled, because houses, all of the drywall had become soft and, you know, it just, it just, ugh. It just gets soaked and there was, there was tide coming in and everything. And, and so they had to gut these houses and carpet and drywall and fixtures and books that got ruined and stuff like that and records and whatever else and paintings. And so all the, all the stuff of the house, bedding and everything, they filled garbage bags with this stuff. And then dad said, and they kind of filled it up. They, they told the people, you know what? Call your pickup. They'll come and get it and, and start all over again. Well, they came back the next year to the same neighborhood. And what did they see? Those same garbage bags had not moved an inch in a year. And so they did other things. You know, they, they, they're helping with the reconstruction and they, they knew these people by now and everything. And the people are making them sandwiches and we're so glad you came and everything. Third year, they come the garbage bags have not moved. But now, because of the sun and weather, the garbage bags are starting to disintegrate a little bit and, and get wrecked. And it wasn't until the fourth year, when the garbage bags were still there, that Dad told me he finally put it together. The infrastructure of the city had been destroyed. So it wasn't that the pe- and See, Dad, was, Dad and, and, and my stepmom and others were concerned are they, are they just being lazy? Well, no. There was no dump to take the stuff to. And there were no vehicles to take it away. It was just, you can clean it up, but where does it go? That was the problem. That there it just was no landfill anymore. It was a swamp. Um, and uh, so, let's, let's move back from, from that 21st century problem where we have all kinds of technology and we've invented the, 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 the pickup truck and things like that. Now let's go back to, first, to, to, to 5th century BC Israel and they have a ruined city with marble ruins everywhere. And wh- what are those 5,000 people going to do with the ruins, the marble ruins of a temple? You know, what are they going to do with it? And they, they kind of, you know, they, well, well, rebuild my house, I guess, and we'll plant because we got to have food because there's no grocery store. And we'll try to get along with our Samaritan neighbors. Who is this new country up north? And, 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 and we've got people picking on us and so forth. But yeah, we, so Daniel, if, if Daniel was concerned that they hadn't rebuilt the temple yet, and maybe he was, he didn't understand that. There was an infrastructure problem in Jerusalem. So if that's what he that what he's that if that what's he's if that's what he's mourning about and grieving about, um, there were there were more difficulties coming because there were enemies of Israel. We learn in the book of Ezra, who were going to attack 
politically attack Israel over trying to rebuild and so forth. So that was a problem as well. So Daniel mourning for three weeks, 21 days, and says, I ate no expensive food, no meat or wine entered my mouth. I did not anoint myself at all until the completion or the end of the three weeks, or until the whole three weeks had come and gone. Uh, so something happens to end the time. I don't know that he chose three weeks on purpose. I think that that's how long it took for the answer to come. By the way, anoint myself, what does that mean? Well, Israel is a hot, dry place. And just think of yourself uh, right now, washing your hands umpteen times a day, using hand sanitizer, and what happens? I get home and my hands are bleeding here by my pinkies especially. And so what do I do? I have to anoint myself. I put on hand lotion, right? And their hand lotion was? Olive oil. Yeah. They used olive oil for everything. They used olive oil on their whetstones. They used olive oil to lubricate uh, wheels. They used olive oil to soften up the, 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 the saddles on things. They used olive oil to, as soap. You put olive oil and dirt on yourself and scrape it off and rinse and that's your soap. Uh, they used olive oil on their food. They used olive oil to cook with. They used olive oil as suntan lotion. They used olive oil to wash their hair. They used olive oil for everything. It was the commodity. Um, and uh, Daniel says, none of that. No food, no meat, no wine. What does that remind you of in Daniel's lifetime? Yeah. And when had he done this before? Although not exactly fasting, because he doesn't say, I ate nothing. He says, I had no expensive food, meat, or wine. So what might he be eating? Salad, vegetables, and fruit and stuff. And when did he do that earlier? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Ham and stuff is right, too. Uh, so uh, when, he, when, he, when he first got brought into Babylon as one of the choice young men, and they were going to give him the king's finest food, and Daniel says that's not kosher, and he abstains. And it seems like, though, that after a while... Daniel had decided, I can't eat meat. You know, maybe he had taught the cooks how to do a chicken right or whatever. But now he says, no meat, no wine, no expensive food. I'm going to go back to this uh, as a way of focusing on, on my prayer, which is what I'm, I'm sad about. So whatever he was mourning about. And maybe, and quite a few think this, maybe the... The failure of the exiles to do anything back home. Maybe that's what was going on. So, And then on the 24th day of the first month, the first month uh, 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 here I think would be the sacred month, which would be Nisan, the beginning of the sacred year. Um, this happens in April, uh, or March or April. So this is when Passover happens. Passover would be the 14th of Nisan, and this is the 24th, so 10 days later. No significance to that date, except that that happens to be when Daniel was praying in this instance. So on the 24th of the first month, I was beside the great river, that is the Tigris. So normally in the Bible, the great river is one of two, and it's not this one. Usually the great river is the Egyptian great river, the Nile, or it's the Babylonian great river, which is the Euphrates. Um, in your mental picture of the Tigris and Euphrates, which should look like this 
This is, from your perspective, the Euphrates, the gentle one. That's what oifrat, good frat, means, the gentle one. This one, which is the fierce one, is the tigress. And a tigress is kind of fierce, right? So between them is Mesopotamia, the land between the rivers, and they kind of look like this, and they come together here at my chest at Kuwait and then go down to the, to the, uh, the uh, Gulf of Aqaba and, and downwards and so forth, and this is where the Iraq War happened and so forth. But Daniel was no longer over here at my elbow in Babylon. He was here on this elbow at either where Jonah had gone, which was Nineveh, or a little bit south of that to Asher, one of those old capitals. That, there, there's a famous comedy line, what's the capital of Assyria? And the answer is, when in Assyria's history do you mean? Because it was Nineveh and it was Asher. So that's the, it was those two cities. You're the only one who got that joke, Jeff? I, but thank you. Um, and um, Daniel probably there at what I'm going to call the winter palace of the Persian king. So at one of those two cities, and probably, probably Nineveh, but I don't know for sure. So Daniel's there, and by the way, he's with other guys. They aren't in these verses yet, but we're going to hear about them very shortly. But he's there with a bunch of guys, and why would you be there out at the river with a bunch of guys? Well, he could have been teaching a class, could have been fishing, could have been getting the morning water, could have been, who knows? You know, they could have, um, you know, right outside this window every morning, goes a whole flock flock of nuns um, on their morning constitutional. And, and um, uh, so you never, uh, whatever he was doing, but that's where he was. I looked up and there right in front of me, I saw a man dressed in linen. Around his waist, he was wearing a belt made from gold of Ufaz, or very good gold, or however the NIV puts it. Choice gold, precious gold. Fine. Fine gold. Oh, that's Senator from Wisconsin also. All right. Uh, I grew up there, so I, yeah, he's an old guy now. So linen, linen would be not just ordinary fabric, but fabric made uh, very nicely. Linen is uh, mom's uh, bedsheet quality fabric. Is that what you'd maybe call linen? Even even better than better than bedsheet quality. Okay, all right, and probably dyed or at least bleached. So it's not going to be the, the 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 color of the goat, you know that, that or whatever. But it'll it'll be something kind of nice, maybe light, a nice soft gray or white even or something like that. And a white linen would suggest holiness or purity. Uh, really good gold from Ufaz. Fine gold, precious gold, would suggest royalty, um, something like that. You have sometimes have gold associated with angels. In Ezekiel, there's an angel who keeps showing up with a golden writing kit and a, on his belt and a golden um, measuring stick, which I think, if I'm remembering rightly, was the royal cubit, which is the, not just the cubit from here to here, but Solomon's cubit was like from here to here, plus another hand or something like, however that went. And so it's a little bit longer cubit, so a big, big building we're talking about in Ezekiel. So he's dressed up and he is not just a fisherman. Okay? Six and seven. And eight. His body was like 
topaz, or I think chrysolite in, uh, in, another, in another translation. Um, topaz, chrysolite are what kind of stones? Semi-precious stones. Um, they're nice. They're not really valuable, but they're nice. And so, you know, my grandma might have a brooch made of these kinds of things. Uh, what is the, the blue one that's all everywhere down south? Um, is, that, is that the one I'm thinking of? Turquoise. turquoise. Yeah, it's kind of everywhere. Once, once you get kind of south of Tennessee, turquoise shows up just everywhere. And, and uh, it's pretty and it's common down there, but it's nice. It's not just a rock. You know, it's, it's something. The thing about topaz and chrysolite is that in certain instances, they can be almost translucent. And uh, you can at least see light through them, if not people. So, you know, you've you got opaque, translucent, transparent, and translucent's the middle one. And they kind of fall into that category of, there's something different about this. Um, I remember my mother telling me when I was a boy that... Uh, the the girl she babysat was uh, quite a bit younger than me, and mom used to say she has porcelain skin. Porcelain. When I got a little bit older and found out that porcelain is what you make toilets out of, I didn't think that was such a great compliment. <laughs> but I understand now that she just meant pretty, you know, glowing, that kind of thing. His face looked like lightning, so flashing bright. Um, his eyes were like burning torches. Again, flashing bright. Does this remind you of anything? Guy shows up and he's really, really shiny. Well, in Daniel, in the fiery furnace, right? Otherwise, maybe at the transfiguration, but also in Ezekiel, the angels, the cherubim that are there in Ezekiel, and in Isaiah, the seraphim are flashing. In fact, they, they look like they're on fire, actually. That's what saraf means. Um, flaming. His arms and feet were like polished bronze. Bronze, polished bronze would be shiny, um, reflecting a lot of light also. The other quality of bronze, strong. I think all of the above we can just assign, assign here. And then the sound of his words was like the sound of an army. And here in verse 6 we come to the first repeated point I don't know how many times in this chapter it gets mentioned, but maybe somebody wants to make a little tally. It's words. The, 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 the profound emphasis in this chapter is on the word. And the, the, the word word. And just this is what is going to give Daniel strength and so forth. He's going to thank the Lord for so words, 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 words. Just keep, keep looking at that as we're, as we're going through the chapter. Um, but the sound of his words was like the sound of an army. And we have that happen also with angels sometimes in Ezekiel. When they talk, it's like the sound of an army. Is an army a quiet thing? No. Um, I, I, I remember Shelby Foote saying that in the Civil War, when you would, he was quoting one of the generals. You know, in fact, it was Sherman who said uh, that, that you haven't heard it, you haven't heard something loud until you've heard an entire army army that is several divisions wake up to reveille at the same time and cough in the morning it's like thunder he said as if you can imagine tens of thousands of men coughing at the same moment <clears throat> you know as, as you wake up from in your pup tent or whatever that had to be quite amazing 
You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.